What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. This is Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast about what two pastors are learning in the trenches of church revitalization. This podcast is sponsored in part by our friends at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Visit swibbits.edu to find out more about what God is doing on Seminary Hill. Hey, Kyle, what is happening today? Matt, it is a fantastic morning. It is 66 degrees outside here. Fall has arrived in the desert, and it is wonderful. Yeah, fall's been here for a minute. Um, it's been <laughs> wonderful. This is like, so I prefer the the cold. I prefer at yeah. least the risk of snow and so forth. But this is great because, you know, you can put on a little sweater in the morning. Uh, it's 48, 50 degrees, that kind of deal. The afternoon, it might hit 70. And uh, so afternoon, yeah. playing catch with the girls or whatever, you might can get a sweat up. but it's just great. You yeah. know, it's just comfortable all day long. And, this, uh, and I'm loving this, it. This is, but the hardest time to set thermostats, however, especially in the church, because you might walk in in the morning and it's 68 degrees and you're thinking, okay, I have some little old ladies that are going to freeze. Now it's going to warm up, but yeah. will it warm up fast enough to warrant turning on the heater? To- <laughs> I have, I have decided if, if I could, you know, like that click, the the movie with Adam Sandler, I believe it was. If I could have a pastor click and fast forward for like the 15 minutes before church and get right into the service, I would probably last in ministry until I'm 150. Because especially in this season right now, it is cold outside and the room probably reads 65, you know, the, the temp on the thermostat or whatever. So it's, it's chilly for some. For me, you know, I'm usually wearing a you know jacket or whatever, so it's not an issue. But people come in and you can feel the chill, especially because their Sunday school rooms are like a hundred degrees. And so they <laughs> come in there and it's immediate like, oh, it's so cold. Oh, it's so cold. And they forget that the moment the service starts, there's 130 people in there, whatever, yep. and it warms up immediately. Yep. If they turn on that heater for any of those 15 minutes, then I will be absolutely soaked <laughs> through my sport coat because it gets yeah. hot so fast in there. Not really. I mean, the heater will turn off, but then all of the, you know, the body heat and everything else, yeah. it, it's just unbearable. So if I could just fast forward through those 15 minutes of ministry in my week, I would last, I would never get another gray hair. I would, I, I would be the happiest minister on earth. It would so, be like so, magic so, kingdom all day long. So Matt, what I just heard is you want to skip the mingling time before the service where you're actually interacting with people and, and you just want to get right into. <laughs> so this is true. And we did get good news yesterday. The CDC came out and said that the uh, vaccine or whatever won't be available and, and you know widely dis- distributed until the end of 2021. So expect this to be the normal until then. So congrats, introverts across the world. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> well, hey, man, today we, we have a very interesting topic. No, we don't. And yes, we do. It, it, it is not our favorite, but it is interesting. And that is benevolence. Taxes. 
Do you, do you remember the old, uh, do you remember the, the SNL skit with, with Tom Hanks and Aerosmith where he's sibilance? Sibilance. I, I don't watch that kind of film. Oh, okay. Benevolence. I like to keep myself pure and unsane from the world. Oh, okay. There you go. Benevolence. Also, it's on after I go to bed. So I would never <laughs> have watched something like that. You, you, you need to look up that one. Tom Hanks with, uh, with Aerosmith. He's like their, their sound guy. And it's, it's, it's a great one from like the, the 80s. So fantastic. So today we are talking about benevolence, our every pastor's favorite topic, right? So you're coming out uh, after a, uh, let, let's say it was a wonderful Sunday morning. Because let's not add insult to injury, right? So a, a well, fantastic happened. So let's just be real. You, <laughs> so no, no, man, you you come out, you're feeling great about the sermon. Somebody was saved. Uh, you got a baptism coming out, and you come out into the foyer, and there is an unfamiliar face sitting on um, a, a seat out in the foyer, and uh, one of your greeters comes and says, uh, "This gentleman would like to speak to you um, when you when you have a minute." And so, you know, at that point that, that you are going to enter into a conversation after Sunday morning um, for someone who's asking for either a, a hotel or a meal or groceries or a utility bill or something. So, Matt, to walk us through your steps there and your, and your thought process. Let me get a deacon. <laughs> okay. Okay. So for one, I do that, um, not just to pass it on, but have somebody else with me. So grab a deacon. Uh, it's their, in, in our case, and really I would say biblically, is their responsibility uh, anyhow. And, uh, and so I want to bring them involved. Uh, we've got two deacons that are on two different committees that kind of handle benevolence type stuff. And some are a little more medical, some are financial or whatever. And so maybe depending upon who it is, is the one I'm going to get. And, uh, and we listen to whatever the, you know, the story is, the situation, find out what's going on. And, uh, and then for the most part, I'm kind of there to, to be the, the, the go between in between that person and getting the deacon that they need and to get the help that they need. And, uh, and so we have that set up here. There's been times where I haven't had that. Um, and, uh, in fact, this situation that you're describing happened, but it wasn't after the service. They came in during the service and sat and made it very clear that they were they weren't there to to sing to do anything else. They were there to get food, and uh, and made it very clear like we we at this time did a, like an open mic prayer thing, worst idea ever. <laughs> and so this guy you know raises his hand and at this point we don't know the situation, so we're thinking right. he might have prayer. And he's like, I just I, I I need to get some food. So if there's anybody like just was super clear, super blunt, like I I just I want some food. Like who can help me out with some food? One prayer request, one anything else. So, you know, we we made it through the service and and fed them. We have a meal after the service at that church, and so we fed them. And then and then uh, I think somebody took them to the grocery store. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I've had that after the service too, of course. But during the service is infinitely more awkward. Uh, but so yeah, for me, passing it to the deacon that can actually help them. You know, they're the ones yeah. that ultimately have approval from the congregation to extend this amount of money or whatever. Um, they know kind of our policies and procedures. And right when you are at your emptiest, um, you know, after preaching and, and all of that kind of stuff, uh, that's a good time to make sure you're not making a decision on your own. Yeah, that's um, right. When, when you are, when you are exhausted and, you know, depending on how the morning has gone, maybe somewhat frustrated is probably not the best time. <laughs> it's 
probably not when you are feeling your most generous. <laughs> if you just preached a crappy sermon and somebody comes up and you're like, sorry, go to the Methodist church. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> you yeah. know, we don't want that. So, you know, it's a great opportunity in, in what we did this year. Um, you know, of course we, we had a budget set for 2020 and uh, we had a vision set for 2020 and God was like, that vision is so bad. I'm going to send a pandemic. And so uh, actually we still blame that on Bart for wanting to make me the uh, pastor's conference president, but we had this budget set, all these plans set, ministry opportunities set. And when this hit, we froze up everything in terms of our spending and so forth to just our needs and, you know, the bills, that kind of thing to open up money for food pantry and, you know, buying groceries, helping with bills, that yeah. kind of thing, because we knew what was coming. You shut down people into their homes. They're not able to work. Um, you need to be able to, uh, kind of look forward to know what's coming next. You know, if you're not working, then paychecks don't necessarily come in. Uh, or, you know, the unemployment may be less than what they are used to or what their bills will be. And so we knew that coming in or once it started. And so that's allowed us in our place. And we've got some steps, you know, as, as far as what they, what they need, you know, that they still are going to visit with us. We talk about, you know, finances, budget planning. And in some of this situation, it's so different. We don't do all of that, you know, because most of the people that are having an issue right now, it's not because they're smoking 10 packs of cigarettes a day right. or right. whatever. It's because my, my business that I've you know, started from the ground up has been shut down. So yeah. I don't have any money coming in. So that's a little different. It's not their fault. We can blame all of that on the governor. Um, I'm just kidding, uh, <laughs> Michelle. Don't, um, I guess I should be clear, not Michelle. Right, not not my Michelle. Um, no, she's already mad at me. She's always mad. But Michelle, <laughs> um, what's her last name? Ooh, Michelle Grisham. Lujan Grisham is yeah, our is yeah, our so Sorry, Michelle. But uh, but so you want to be careful to you know right right now is not the time like you said to add insult to injury. Like hey, we don't think you're managing your finances well. Right, it's not that. So so yeah. Um, for for us, ramble a little bit. For us, we try to get them to the deacon that can help kind of there situation. If it's food, that's handled. If it's, you know, good Sam, more of a medical thing that that goes to a certain deacon. If it's more outreach, we need help building something or getting firewood or uh, more tangible needs. And there's somebody that can help. Uh, so that's the way I do it. I pass the buck, baby. <laughs> so, so we do too. We have a, uh, we have a, a ministry set up here in town uh, called Love Inc. That is, uh, that was established several years ago. Um, by the uh, by the local churches ministerial alliance because we have seventy something churches here in town and so you know, what was what was happening was people were going to multiple churches and telling the exact same story and and getting help from all of them and so you know the the pastors kind of sat down and said hey we need a central place and so um, if it's somebody just randomly walks in the door on a weekday uh, that's where we're going to send them because that that's the that's the ministry that's set up for that. Um, for somebody who comes in on Sunday morning, you know, if, if we have someone that, and, and most of the time it's as simple as we need gas or we need uh, groceries and there's, there's a gas station and grocery store, a block from our, our church. So, you know, I'll, and it's on the way to my house. So typically if it's after Sunday morning, I'll say, okay, I, you know, meet me over here. Um, I'll get you some groceries. I'll get you some, uh, get you some gas and then go on. If it's, 
it's a hotel room. I'm not a huge fan of hotel rooms. Um, but we'll, we'll do it on occasion. Um, but, uh, but I'm just not a, that, that's a, that's a bandaid on an issue, right? I mean, if you're homeless, a, a, a hotel room is not going to solve the issue. Um, but, but we're also, we also don't have a shelter here in town. So, yeah. you know, if we can't get them to Las Cruces where, where we know there is a homeless shelter, we will do a night or two, uh, from time to time, kind of on a case by case basis. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously then it, we, we haven't really talked about needs within the body, but, but typically like our, our benevolent funds and stuff are, are set up for those outside the body. And then if there is a, if there's a significant need that arises within the church body, that that's when we'll go to the church body and, and say, Hey, we have a need. Um, but as, as the church, we have, we have an ability to meet this need. So let's do that. And that's kind of over and above, you know, general budget giving and all that. Um, we, we were able to, one, one cool thing we were able to do, we, we had a family or a couple who, um, uh, when, when they got their stimulus checks back in May, uh, they just texted me and they said, Hey, we've got, uh, we, we don't really need this, but the government sent it, sent it to us anyway. Um, we want to donate it to the church. Where, where, where would that be good? And that's where I said, Hey, May Hill Baptist said, church. <laughs> I said, well, actually I said, if we could just put that like in a general benevolence fund, I said, that would be really good because then, you know, if somebody needs groceries or something like that, we have a little bit budgeted each year, but I said, it would be nice to have the surplus. Um, and so they did. And we were able to, um, uh, help cover uh, some funeral costs for a family that they just didn't have the money to do it. And so that was, um, that, that was a really good use of that money. Now, now Matt, I'm curious to know what is your, uh, I don't, I don't know if favorite is, is the best word. Uh, what is what is your craziest benevolence story uh, that you have? Uh, I don't. Uh, and you would think with how <laughs> many crazy stories in just three and a half years that I've had. A, yeah. Um, I don't really have one. I've had okay. the uncomfortable ones, you know, where, you know, maybe somebody has you know, showed up and just seems kind of threatening or, or whatever, isn't happy if you can't help them right away or, or you need to go through certain steps. I've had that. Yeah. And I think everybody has had, uh, but there, I guess the closest thing I could come to the wildest story, uh, would be in, in, you mentioned y'all have loving. So, you know, you've already known this is an issue. Um, guys that are listening in, you might be in a, a rural church that may not have churches right next door like you would in, you know, Dallas, Texas or whatever in the Bible Belt. Uh, there might be a couple of churches in your town or whatever. Um, and uh, and so you may not have a whole lot of cooperation there um, naturally and, uh, and maybe not the means to cooperate together with a food bank or something like that. So what ends up happening, everybody's had this, somebody has come to your church that has all also just come from first Alamogordo and then on their way up to your church, they passed at first Cloudcroft and then maybe at Trinity high rolls. I'm listing churches on the way to, to Mayhill. So they they've passed each of these and they stopped at every single one and asked for money and maybe got it, uh, maybe didn't or whatever, but they just kept moving on. And so what, what I do try to do is instead of an immediate decision, unless something is just so crystal clear, I'm putting gas in a tank that I can see right there is empty. I'll throw gas in that tank. Um, but if it's something that they're needing a certain amount of money or whatever, I usually am going to call 
kind of the local churches that are near um, and find out, is this same person kind of going through that? So we had one uh, that had done that. And those that had rejected, I mean, just got called every name in the book, got blasted on social media, that kind of deal. Um, so, so that, I guess, would be the craziest um, story um, as far as one that has kind of happened directly to me. The other sort of indirectly was a pastor that I served with. I think you know this story. Uh, did not always make the best decisions um, and uh, in, in terms of just wisdom. He was doing maybe the right thing in, in his mind, like what he was doing was righteous, uh, but thought through, street smart, that kind of thing, not ever really right. And so there was a person he had been helping, uh, and he was going to give them a ride to church. Righteous, right? That's a good thing. Um, we can talk about the Billy Graham role, you know, needing somebody in the car, that kind of thing. All, all of that is, is well and good. He goes, picks her up, uh, and it is while a prostitution sting is happening at that gas station. Oh, no. So while she is not, you know, it wasn't one that they had made their own prostitutes or, you know, undercover prostitutes. It wasn't that. They, they just knew this was going on. So they're watching. And so <laughs> he is questioned quite a bit. And he's like, no, I'm taking her to church. All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know? And so, uh, you know, didn't think that went through too well. Um, so like that is one that maybe the Billy Graham role would have helped uh, significantly, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but so, yeah, that that was the wildest one that didn't really happen to me. Um, but when, when you find out that your pastor is being questioned by the police, you know, 30 minutes before the service, you're wondering, do I need to write a sermon real quick? Is he going oh, to man. jail? Um, you know, so wow. I didn't have to preach that day. Um, yeah. But I cannot imagine I, I've had just those random conversations before service. It just gets in my head and it kind of makes the, the sermon a little loopy. I, I can't imagine being this close from being arrested. <laughs> And then trying to preach the sermon. Man, wow. Um, and, and I have stories. Um, I pastored for three and a half years up in a little town called Clayton, up in far northeast New Mexico, right on Highway 87. And we were about, uh, we were about the only town of any significance for at least 50 miles in any direction. So we got a lot of stuff. Um, so I'll just share a couple. So we had a, one, one lady, we got a hotel room, and then she later showed up in church. Um, in a dress she had made from the shower curtain uh, in her uh, in her hotel room. So that was interesting. Um, had a guy uh, who got off at the Greyhound there, went in to use the restroom. And while he was using the restroom, the Greyhound bus driver left <laughs> and left him stranded there uh, two hours really from the next stop. And so I get a call from the bus station. They say, hey, we got this guy here um, who says he was just left. Um, <laughs> we need to get him to Amarillo. <laughs> and so uh, I said, well, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of got the day free. So I got my truck and loaded up, went to, took this guy to the bus stop in Amarillo. My favorite one though, this is, this is top, top e easily. Um, I had a guy show up here in Alamogordo that about three years earlier I had met in Clayton. Um, and I got the exact same story here that I got in Clayton. And, you know, I walked out and I saw this guy in it. And it, it, like at the beginning, I was like, man, this, this guy looks familiar. I've met him somewhere before. 
And then he started telling the story and it clicked. I went, Oh, and so I let him go on for about 15 minutes. And, uh, then finally I called him on it. I said, um, I said, obviously you don't remember me, but, but I said, I remember you and you, you told me this exact same story. He wasn't very happy. Um, and so, uh, yeah, man, just, um, in Clayton, we got it. We got a lot. Um, like I said, we were, we were a long way from everywhere. People who would hitchhike would get off there. And then there was a state prison in Clayton. So there were signs everywhere. Do not pick up hitchhikers. <laughs> and so they were there, man, I've been sitting here for two days. I can't, I can't get a ride out. Well, no, you can't. <laughs> um, so, so if you had like kind of one or two tips to share with pastors when it comes to benevolence, what would that be? I have nine of them. Okay. And I've, I've stolen it from uh, Todd McMitchin, uh, who wrote on Facts and oh, Trends, because yeah. this is timely for us. Uh, nine steps to prepare your benevolence ministry for the coronavirus aftermath. We're going to put all of this in the show notes so you can actually read it. I'm just going to read each of his tips just themselves. So there's more to it, obviously, that he's written. Uh, but you need to find and review your benevolence policies now. So this was written back in March when this was first going on. Uh, so you're a little behind the eight ball, but you need to know what your policies are. Um, and then that leads to the second one, to know the limits on how your church can help. Um, if your church has, you know, $10,000 in the bank, uh, you know, you, you have to know what your limits are with what your bills are and, and things like that. Uh, so be willing to also, in that sense, reach out to, to other churches, which leads to number three, discover referral agencies. So Kyle mentioned, you know, Love Inc. that we have in, you know, Otero County. Uh, your town may have something, you know, maybe a localized food bank. It might be within driving distance. You know, you might have to drive to it or, or whatever, but uh, find out what is out there. Contact for-profit companies for assistance. Um, this, this one, he explains quite a bit um, where there's certain businesses that will donate items, dollars as well. You know, reaching out to your local um, grocery store, seeing if they can help, um, you know, maybe leftover food or something like that. Uh, this is one we've already mentioned, scrub your ministry budget of all non-essential expenses immediately. Um, and I think that's something that's been good about COVID. You know, we talk about how bad it's been and hard, how hard it's been, but I think it has taught us what is essential in our ministry and what is non-essential in our ministry, what truly matters and what we enjoy. Now, the things we enjoy are great, you know, and there's reasons to maybe bring them back later or whatever, but we know now what is essential to what we're doing. And I think that's been good. Uh, number six, engage your best givers in above and beyond giving. Um, and uh, so that one, it kind of maybe depends on how you're set up. Maybe you just know. Um, we don't, I think we both shared on the show, we don't encourage knowing what particular people give. Um, but maybe this is something you can task with people that to do um, or just share the need um, to above and beyond what your normal giving is. We want to create this coronavirus fund or benevolence fund, whatever, um, I think would be wise. Begin casting vision now for everyone to be involved. You know, maybe having a canned food drive at your own church, you know, things like that. Uh, contact relationships with city officials and other community leaders. That's great when you have a city. We don't even have a city, so that doesn't exist here. Um, but if yours does, you know, reach out, you know, contact the people that, that are out there. They may even know other needs that maybe you can help meet. Um, and then number nine, reach out to the small churches and church plants. 
Uh, I think this was probably written more for the larger church in mind. Um, but sometimes the larger churches can help the smaller churches. Uh, but then sometimes the smaller churches may have the ability of having a uh, clothing uh, closet or, you know, something that they've established over the years. And uh, so those are just nine tips that I uh, stole from Todd, a uh, friend of the pod. And uh, so what would you add? So, so my number one um, would be communicate with other pastors in your area. Uh, yep. So if, obviously, if you're in a really small town um, in, in Clayton, um, there, there was another church and, and ours that were kind of on the main, um, the main highway through town. So we got, uh, we got the, the lion's share of the benevolent um, requests. And so the pastor and I, the, the assembly of God pastor there and I would just would either text or call and just say, hey, this guy just came through. Be, you know, this is what I did for him. Be, beware. Um, and if you're in a, you know, maybe a community with several other churches, uh, there are some some databases out there that, that you can pay a little bit and and have access to. Um, you, you can even just set up something as simple as a Google Doc, um, where you know if you if you help somebody, you just put in that that spreadsheet who it is and and what kind of help you gave, and you know so that way if they go to another church, all all that secretary or or pastor has to do is pull up that spreadsheet and see, oh hey, this person's already been there. Just just communicate because you want to make sure that you're stewarding the resources you have well. And that you're not being taken advantage of by, uh, by somebody who's who's looking who's not really in need, just looking to milk whatever they can get out. So that would, that would be my biggest tip: is communicate, set up some sort of system to communicate with the other pastors in your area, uh, so that you are stewarding your benevolent resources as as much as possible. Well, Kyle, That's well it. done on going ten minutes over what we aim to do <laughs> for this episode. Hey, we're still under our our thirty five minute that we've been normal, so. We are like like, um, like seasoned pastors. We we have gotten gradually more long winded as yeah. we've gone the last three years. If you want to learn more about benevolence, uh, you can grab Jonah over coffee. Just kidding, that doesn't have a whole lot to do with benevolence. Uh, but that is my latest book. It's on Amazon. Jonah over coffee, uh, a thirty cup devotional on the book of Jonah. And Kyle has they devoted themselves, uh, and uh, that is an emoji based uh, book. Uh, on uh, the early church, what we can learn from them. And, uh, and so uh, encourage you to check those out on Amazon. We'll also put in the show notes the uh, link to the blog on facts and trends that I shared from Todd at Lifeway Generosity. Uh, and then also some other books that maybe have been helpful to us, you know, uh, giving uh, without hurting uh, or helping without hurting, some of that kind of stuff. But ultimately, we, we're blessed to, to be a blessing. And uh, so we, we don't want to withhold those blessings, but we also need to be wise in how we extend it. And uh, and so we hope this was an encouragement to you. You can find us on Twitter at uh, NAB underscore podcast or on Facebook at Not Another Baptist Podcast. Uh, and uh, Kyle, why don't you send us out? Uh, since I'll give you the honor since y'all won last night, one to zero. Hey, that's right. On a complete game shut out by Kyle Gibson. Fantastic pitching performance. And until next time. May your coffee over Jonah be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We want to connect with you on Facebook at Not Another Baptist Podcast or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast or our website at notanotherbaptistpodcast.com. Until next week, we encourage you to check out csbible.com to learn about the Christian Standard Bible, our favorite translation for its blend of readability and accuracy. 
Have a great day and God bless. What's wrong with you people?